0: Welcome back to Check the Locks presents True Crime for the short on time. As always, I'm John Connor.
1: I'm Olivia Cornu.
0: Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, Olivia, as always, it's wonderful to see you. See you have an itchy nose. Other than that, how is it going? How has your night been?
1: (laughs) I'm just over here having some really bad allergies. I mean, that's just the story of my life, but my night's good. Happy to be here with you tonight, John. How are you doing?
0: i'm doing very well i love it it's a very bewitched style recording session so i'm also jealous i don't have the ability to move my nose like that it's like stuck in the middle of my face so but i'm sorry your allergies are bothering you the good news is this is short on time episode you don't have a lot of time i don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of time you've got an itchy nose the audience is probably itching to know what we're talking about this week this week is my week what do you say should we just jump into it
1: get on to it john
0: Hop on the good foot, do the bad thing, Johnny boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, this week we are going to discuss an update on a situation that we recently covered. Now, you may remember a few episodes back, we talked about the possibility of a serial killer operating within the city of Portland.
1: Oh, yeah, John. I think they caught him or they think they know who it is.
0: So that's exactly what we're going to dive into because there have been some updates. All right. Well, let's hear it. If you haven't listened to that episode, you may want to pause this one and go back. It's from the middle of June. But in case you don't want to, let's just do a quick recap. This year, the bodies of six women were found over just a few months span in Portland. In February of this year, the body of 22-year-old Kristen Smith was found in a wooden area of Portland's Pleasant Valley neighborhood. She had been missing since December of 2022. A fisherman found the remains of 22-year-old Ashley Rial in a wooded area near Eagle Creek. Rial had been reported missing in March of this year. -year 32-year-old Joanna Speaks was found dead on April 8th, and her body was discovered outside of a barn in a remote area of Washington State. 24-year-old Charity Perry was found dead on April 24th, Now, Charity had suffered from schizophrenia and substance abuse issues. She was last seen in early March after being discharged from a local hospital where she was revived after an overdose. Her body was found in a gutter near Portland's Ainsworth State Park. 31-year-old Bridget Ramsey's body was found on Harmony Road near Mill Creek. And finally, the police also found the body of another unidentified woman in a tent in Portland's Lentz neighborhood on April 24th. Now, Olivia, I'm not sure if you remember this, but when we covered this story back in June, the Portland police were saying there was absolutely no reason to believe that any of these cases were connected. In fact, they actively condemned the speculation, saying that they spread anxiety and fear and were not supported by the facts available at that time. So I don't know if you remember us talking about that, but they were like, it's not connected at all.
1: Yeah, well, here we are.
0: Exactly. And however, it seems that their story has changed since last month. Authorities have now named a person of interest who may be connected to four of the victims. News outlets have named Jesse Lee Calhoun as a person of interest in the deaths of Kristen Smith, Charity Perry, Bridget Webster, and Ashley Rial. Now, what's really interesting is that the 38-year-old is actually already in custody. In June, Calhoun was charged with violating his parole. And because of this, no official charges have been filed against him at this point. But here's what has been reported so far. Now, in 2020, Calhoun was imprisoned for burglary, car theft, and assaulting a public safety officer and a police dog. So, I mean, that's a heck of a lot of charges. And that poor dog as well. Jeez.
1: Yeah, just so much stuff.
0: Now, you may remember that. The Northwest had some raging wildfires in 2020. They were the Labor Day fires, same year as the pandemic, just absolutely crazy. And at that time, they were allowing inmates to come and fight those fires because they needed all the extra manpower. Calhoun was one of the inmates who volunteered to help fight the fires at that time. Now, because of this, his sentence was commuted in June of 2021. By July of that same year, Calhoun was a free man. His sentence actually ended 11 months earlier than originally scheduled. So he was in prison in 2020, fighting the wildfires, and then released in July of 2021. That doesn't seem like he was supposed to get out until like mid-2022, but because he fought the fires, the governor was like, okay, we're going to commute those sentences. So now we have to flash forward to 2023 when the bodies of the victims began to turn up between February and May of this year. Now, on June 7th, Calhoun was arrested again for violating his parole. And because of this, his commutation was revoked and his original sentence was reinstated. So that now means that Calhoun will be eligible for release by June of 2024. So essentially, he violated his parole. They gave him back the 11 months. Now, on July 17th, Portland police shared that they had found links to several of the victims. In fact, it seems that some of the victims had visited the same establishments in the area. Now, it was also on July 17th that the police said that they had a person of interest and assured the community that there was no danger. However, at that point, they did not release their suspect's name. But when a source close to the case shared it with the Willamette Week news publication, they took the story and ran with it. And that is when they published an article identifying Calhoun as the potential serial killer and suspect in the killings of at least four women. So... Before we go any further, I just had to stop because just the immediate flip-flop, I mean, we covered this in June and they're like, nothing is related. And then literally less than a month later, they're like, yeah, we were wrong. You know, and there's
1: a, and there's a person.
0: And I remember when you and I were discussing it, we're like, yeah, it could be vulnerable community. It could be something like that, but it seems like these victims were way too close in both like where they were found and like the kind of lifestyle that they were living that they wouldn't be connected. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, detectives have shared that they are currently working with police from other agencies to see if any other murders could be connected. Now, this is where the story gets really interesting. Recently, Calhoun's most recent girlfriend, Krista Senor, has come forward, and she shared that the couple had met when she was homeless, but they had been together for a while and the two had lived together in the same apartment for about the last year and a half now according to senior last month the police executed a search warrant at the apartment that the couple shared together during their search they removed a swatch of the couch cushion as well as a swatch of carpet from the residence which to me right there it's like either fibers or they're looking for some kind of dna or something like that
1: gonna be that random fiber that pins them
0: yeah Police also seized about 30 fentanyl pills from their apartment and examined footage from two security cameras in the unit. Now, she also claims to know for a fact that Calhoun is connected to the victims. Now, according to Senior, she learned that Ashley Rial had a sexual relationship with Calhoun when Rial sent her a text message, messaged her on Facebook, and called her last year to inform her that she was having sex with her boyfriend. So right there, that's already hey, I know you're connected to this person. Yeah. But she then also recalled going through Calhoun's phone and finding a video of a topless woman in a car holding a needle and someone in the video saying, quit shooting up. Now, at first, she didn't recognize the shirtless woman, but after Calhoun's arrest and the search of the apartment, the story was everywhere and she went online to learn more. It was then that she realized the woman in that video was Bridget Webster, another one of the victims. So according to this girlfriend, there is solid connection between at least two of them. And again, the police are saying that there's a connection between four total. But at this point, it does seem like they're playing it kind of close to the vest, most likely because, you know, they want to build a case. And if they're going to try to charge him with anything because he is already behind bars, they've got to you know be able to build that and and kind of play it safe. So the only other thing that I found was really interesting about this case is it seems like some folks have an issue with the governor because the sentence was commuted in the first place. Mm -hmm. There's seems to be an anger that if his sentence wouldn't have been commuted, then these murders, you know, potentially would have never happened. And why would you commute his sentence? Which I don't know about you. I definitely get that in some respect, but also commutations on sentencing are pretty normal especially for people who like volunteer to fight fires and and things like that. So I don't necessarily know if it's fair to hold her and say like, this is your fault. But still, I just thought it was interesting the way the community is kind of reacting to it. But that's the updates as of now. Obviously, I want to continue to follow this because I something about this case is just super interesting to me. But I wanted to kind of pick your brain. What are you thinking? You know, based on our original conversation, how do you feel, you know, after getting the updates?
1: This is wild. And it, and like you keep saying, like how quickly everything has come out into the public within like a month's time. And I also think something's really wild too is since we started this podcast, we have two active like serial killing cases going on right now. We have the Idaho murders and then we have these Portland murders. So that's just mind blowing to me. But I don't, I wonder what the rules are. Like do they, do they need to have their whole case ready to go and ready to charge him before his release date. So that way when he does get released, they can arrest him or can they charge him while he's still in prison? Like, do you know the ramifications of that or how that works?
0: I would imagine that you could charge, you know, because if you're in prison and you murder someone, like that's a charge, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I would I would imagine you would still be able to charge them with that. I wonder if from a police standpoint and the community, right? Like if we think that for sure this person was our serial killer and we now know for sure they're behind bars, that has got to take some of the pressure off
1: mm-hmm. because
0: you're like, okay, we know like he's not someplace, more bodies aren't going to be turning it up. And if they do, we can, we know
1: it's probably not him or, yeah,
0: we can rule it out and say it's most, you know, most likely not anything that would have to do with these that are connected. Right. But I wonder if that kind of takes the pressure off and then allows them to say, okay, I've got time. Like I've got time we to, just build. Need to point,
1: th- figure out how all the evidence connects to him. And what right. is, what are all the things that connects them to each individual person? So that way they can actually, you know, charge him appropriately.
0: Yeah. And one thing I've learned from doing this podcast as well as, you know, watching, you know, all the messed up documentaries and stuff that we watch and things like that is that the detectives who work these cases are incredibly emotionally involved. So mm-hmm. I'm sure if this is like, I've got a chance to really nail this guy, I want to make sure everything is sealed like right. there's no air, nothing like this is locked, stocked. I've got you a hundred percent.
1: Which almost makes me feel like if they didn't think it was him, that his name wouldn't be released like in that way. Like I know it was like a media leak, like a source close to somebody leaked it or whatever, but I do think there would have been a lot more of like, oh no, let's backtrack. But it doesn't seem, it seems like, oh nope, this is pointing towards him. This is pointing towards him. This evidence is here, you know?
0: No, I definitely agree. And like I said, I think that's one of the things that has really, kind of kept me on the edge of my seat with this is how fast it's going because you know you mentioned the idaho murders
1: i haven't heard anything about that here lately
0: no it's you know it's just kind of crawling and we're waiting for updates but at the same time on the east coast you've got rex howerman the gilgo beach serial killer suspect getting arrested
1: yeah how about that one
0: yeah it's just crazy where it's like
1: that's three active cases
0: It's almost like a renaissance of like the 70s era prototypical serial killer, which is really interesting. It's super scary, but it's also really interesting. And then there's also the stat that there's like X amount of serial killers active in the United States at any time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's more just we're looking at it more closely because we've been doing this podcast or if it's really more coming out of the woodwork, but it definitely seems like there's more mainstream stories.
1: Mm hmm this one is interesting. I am I cannot wait to follow this one out. I hope this one ends up on court TV so that I can watch it as it goes to trial and things because that's been my newfound um, love of television is just throw court TV on and just see what cases are on and happening that day. Yeah, this was this was good. Thanks for that update.
0: No, you're welcome. And I'm also really interested to see because I believe the last time that we talked about this, both of us on the deadbolt test was fairly low. We weren't like zero. But I remember a big thing for you was like being in New Orleans. You know, people show up all the time in the hospital. You don't know their name. You don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? So, again, it's just a very vulnerable population in the community. So, like, thinking about it now and going through the updates and how this Calhoun guy was essentially getting in with the victims, when you think about a deadbolt test, is still pretty low for you. Anything changing in there? Or?
1: Um, now that it's potentially a serial killer, it's going up a little bit higher. It's going to be about a, a, about a seven for me. I am of the demographic.
0: Yeah, you are. I mean, you are a female, a young female, young female, oh, oh, my Thank mistake, you. young, young Thank female. You. I think I have to agree with you because what's scary to me about this now that we know that it is a serial killer. And I think we talked about this in the original episode, but the idea that somebody is out there preying on this community because they're vulnerable, yep, you know, and being like, these people aren't going to be missed. You know, they're obviously doing drugs and things like that. And so that is what's happening here where this Calhoun person is going after people that he knows to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That is terrifying to me. So I'm going to put it up there. I'll I'll probably put about a six. I don't run in those like heavy drug circles. You know what I mean? I think that kind of separates that from me, but it's the idea that there are people out there that are like, okay, this is a group that I'm going after is absolutely terrifying. Well, you heard it folks. That is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week. Short on time. Olivia is coming in at a seven. I'm putting it in at a six. But where does potential serial killer Jesse Lee Calhoun fall on your double test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter. At check the locks. We're over on thread somewhere. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. And as always, if you are interested in supporting check the locks financially, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to Patreon.com forward slash check the locks to get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, exclusive stickers, T-shirts, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff that you can only get for being a patron. Also, Olivia, this week I went ahead and gave our patron members 10% off our merch store on any order just to say thank you.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: So if you ordered some merch, just know that we really, really appreciate it. Plus, you get the episodes ad free and early. So, if you love Check the Locks, but you hate the commercials, that is the best way to listen. So, if you like what we do, you want to throw us a couple of dollars, help us keep the lights on, help us invest back into ourselves, becoming a patron is the best way to do that. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash check the locks. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand. Just listening, hanging out with us every week, and sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So, if that is you, you're hanging out with us. You're letting your friends know about this weird little true crime podcast. Just know that from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate it more than we can tell you. That is how our community is going to continue to grow is that word of mouth. You tell a friend, a friend tells a friend, that's how it grows. So if that is you, if you're letting people know about what we do, again, just know that we appreciate you so very much. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized True Crime case, but until then, don't forget to... Check the locks. See you next week.